Good morning, good morning. Good to be with you again. This morning, I want to talk about integrity. And the question I'm asking is, do you really, do you really want to live a life of integrity? And we're going to be looking at Psalm 101. So if you want to find your way to Psalm 101, uh, that would be helpful. Before I became a uh, a pastor, before I was in full-time ministry, I was in the corporate world. And at one point, one of the areas of responsibility I had was to oversee sales people's autos. And it was really an um, illuminating uh, experience, to say the least. I had one uh, guy who maintained that uh, it was totally unnecessary to have his oil changed in his car. And I was perplexed by this because it wasn't like he had to pay for the oil change expenses personally. That was part of the corporate coverage of his car for repairs and maintenance. But he had a different idea. He said, you know, if I don't change my oil, I know my car is still going to last for three years or uh, 80,000 miles, which was the criteria which we would then switch out salespeople's cars. And he said, so why bother? And I, th <laughs> I thought, well, <laughs> what about the person that gets the car after you? I mean, that's kind of, you know, basic maintenance doesn't cost much. But he said, no, I'd had my previous cars three years, no oil change, no problem. Then I had another guy, um, it was the other end of the spectrum. He would always buy his car after the lease was en had ended. So after three years, he would personally buy the car. So he kept his car in mint condition. Uh, but I also noticed that about three months or six months before his lease was up, uh, he'd get a brand new set of tires, uh, get all the brakes done, and switch his muffler out into a stainless steel muffler. And then, of course, his car would be in great shape <laughs> for his, his uh, personal use once he, he bought it. But the most bizarre of all these cases wasn't actually either of those. It was this case. Uh, we were going through a recession, and so we were trying to figure out how we could uh, save a little bit on expenses because sales were down, and we were trying to, you know, uh, do a good job for a short time period. And uh, I came up with the idea of let's extend the lease for instead of being three years, make it four years. Well, <laughs> there was one sales guy who was absolutely livid by this idea. So he literally got in his car and drove it into a, a concrete bridge to total it. Which he did. He just totaled his car because he knew that if his car was totaled, he'd get a new one. Integrity. You know, what drives you to do the right thing? You know, from a different perspective, government, presidents, leaders. If you look at countries around the world, countries in Central America and countries in South America, and a whole bunch of countries in Africa, the, the problem with corruption at the most senior level is 
a major, major problem. Meaning, because there's corruption at the top level, absolutely no integrity, they live large, but it's at the expense of you know, millions of other people living in poverty. And it gets worse, of course, when you mix uh, drug trafficking and uh, you've got collusion between people in, in authority, especially higher up, uh, where, you know, they're living large and again, at the expense of everybody else. Integrity, uh, it's really a big deal. And it's one of those things that like, where is the line and how much, when do I fudge it and when does it work? I mean, we saw this uh, recently with the college admission scandal where, you know, well-to-do people are finding it a way of getting their kids into their preferred school uh, using uh, illegal meth methods. You know, just a total uh, lack of integrity. Integrity uh, is really an issue. And of course, what's so difficult about even talking about integrity is it's not like we, the church, have this unblemished record. I mean, we have a pretty bad record or certainly a bad record in, in a public sphere where many high-profile pastors uh, have failed and it's been just, you know, black mark on the church. And we haven't even really gotten out of the pedophile scandal that was really central here in, in the Boston area. And it wasn't that it just impacted the Catholic Church. No, it impacted all churches. Credibility has been lost within the clergy or within uh, church circles. People look at church, uh, many do, with disdain. Uh, it's like you're hypocritical. So it's really, uh, you know, once, in, once integrity has been lost, it's very difficult to get it back. It takes years and years of um, doing the right thing before it actually gets, gets noticed. And you can lose integrity, you can make a mistake, and it, it, within a moment, uh, you can lose, you know, a lifetime's worth of uh, good habits and living it with integrity. So it really is a big deal. Now the question is, uh, how big a deal is it for you? And how do you make living a life of integrity a high priority? not a secondary priority. In other words, it's easy for us to say, look, I want to study in this particular field and, and getting into this college or I want to get into this uh, corporate life and you know, I want to make sure that I climb that ladder or whatever you know, your field of interest is. But will we equally say, I want to do it with integrity? Like that, is that like right up there with our criteria. So let me just pray and we'll jump into Psalm 101. Jesus, this is such a difficult topic to talk about because none of us are perfect and it's easy to have the finger pointed at us. And yet, Lord, here I am standing and trying to encourage others to live a life of integrity for your name's sake so that you would be glorified. So Lord, I just pray as I preach this morning that uh, you would empower your word and allow it to impact our hearts so that we can be transformed by you to live the way you intend us to live. 
for your glory. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Let me uh, just read Psalm 101 to you, and we'll circulate back on it. It says this, I will sing of your love and justice, Lord. I will praise you with songs. I will be careful to live a blameless life. When will you come to help me? I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I will have nothing to do with them. I will reject perverse ideas and stay away from every evil. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. And you could probably add staff and friends. I will not endure conceit and pride. I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Only those who are above reproach will be allowed to serve me. I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house. And liars will not stay in my presence. My daily task will be to ferret out the wicked and free the city of the Lord from their grip. This is just like so encouraging because here you got, uh, in this case, the Psalms written by David and he's saying things specifically. He's saying, look, I want to live a life of integrity and this is what integrity looks like. It looks like what I do in my private life. It looks like what I do in my home life and it looks like who I hang around with and it looks like what I fill my head with and it looks like who I choose to be my employees and my servants or whoever's going to be volunteering or, you know, in his leadership. And when you read something like this, you know, there's something said, yes, now that would be a good king to serve under. That would be a good president to work for or to, you know, lead a country. Uh, that would be a country that would be uh, great to be in because there would be justice and people wouldn't just be, you know, self-serving at the top level. So there's something that resonates in us when we see this. What I love about this psalm, though, is that it's specifically telling us what is good and what is not good. And I think sometimes we take this for granted. So the psalm goes and says, I will be careful to live a blameless life. There's an, int there's an intentionality to want to do the correct thing and to say, I'm going to be careful to do that. And then I will live in a life of integrity in my own home. Now, this is really a big deal because somehow or other, often I think we've come up with the idea that as long as I don't get caught, then it's okay. Or we'll say to ourselves, nobody will know. Uh, I can do this thing, I can sneak it out, nobody will find out. Now, if that's your criteria for integrity, it's problematic. Because obviously, the Lord knows everything that we're doing. The Lord can tell very quickly if we're living a life of integrity. But, you know, ensuring that our life at home is a life of integrity 
uh, actually starts all the way uh, before you get married. Uh, obviously, being a pastor and, and having officiated a whole bunch of weddings uh, during my uh, my life, uh, I've also realized that it's the, it's the exception rather than the rule that when somebody asks that if I officiate their wedding, typically marriage counseling is an awkward topic. Uh, for many, they won't they don't even want marriage counseling, uh, or for probably the majority of people that have asked me to officiate their wedding, they know that I will not officiate a wedding unless they've had marriage counseling because I think this is a, a very important decision, who you marry. And uh, strangely enough, I feel that I've got an obligation in this whole um, marriage ceremony. I've got an obligation before the Lord because I'm officiating the ceremony. And I don't want to officiate a ceremony that I disagree with. So, uh, you know, uh, as I often explain to people, I said the ideal scenario is to, once you've gotten engaged and before you've set the date for your wedding, to approach me or whoever you want to have officiate the, your, your wedding and discuss marriage counseling. Because if you haven't set the date, then marriage counseling has integrity. There's a sense of, wait, if things come up here and it looks like maybe we, we, you know, we shouldn't get married or there's some real issues to work through, that we're basically saying, okay, we're willing to have integrity right up front. But once the decision, once the date has been given and everybody knows about, you know, when you're going to get married, then Marriage counseling is really just either a rubber stamp or um, whatever. And people, you know, want as few sessions as possible. What's the minimum amount I can do uh, just so that we can, you know, do that. But I am saying when you've got integrity, you want what's best and you want to do what's right. And part of integrity is actually getting other people's input uh, into what is a good marriage decision. Uh, this reminds me of a, uh, a joke, uh, probably a poor joke, but a joke nonetheless that I'm going to tell you. Uh, there was a couple and uh, they were, they'd been married for 60 years. And somebody came to them and said, what is the secret? How were you able to be married for 60 years? And the guy said, he said, wait, it's way better than that. We haven't even had an argument for 60 years, not one single argument. And the person was like, wow, how did you do it? And he said, well, it started right on our honeymoon. Uh, he said, my wife and I were heading off uh, to honeymoon on our horses, uh, old uh, joke. And uh, my wife's horse was going along and then all of a sudden stopped. And she said to the horse, this is a warning. This is the first one. And got the horse going again, and a little further on, the horse stopped again. She said, this is your second warning. Coaxed the horse a little bit further on, the horse stopped for the third time. She got off the horse, pulled out a gun, shot the horse. Her husband was just aghast. He said, honey, you can't do that. She looked at him and said, that's your first warning. <laughs> Okay, poor joke. Integrity, friends. How do we live 
a life of integrity at home starting in a uh, where we can't with things that we're doing things that can't be seen uh, god loves it when we have you know integrity in our relationship with him integrity in our prayer time we don't have to tell everybody that we're doing integrity when it comes to desiring to be with god or to read his word uh, and god tells us even with our finances to be secretive in our giving be generous but don't tell everybody about it have integrity about it just be comfortable enough to know that you're doing the right thing and that god is noticing and is following you and doing the right thing you know um, on a positive note i am very encouraged with so many people in our church that live their lives with integrity I mean, it's easy to see mistakes, but do we do we actually take time to notice those who have lived their lives with integrity or are trying to live their lives with integrity? And, you know, those folks that have been married, for instance, for many, many years, or many of you which say, you know, God is important to me and church is important to me. Uh, you've, you've connected the dots and saying, I can't have a solid relationship with the Lord without having a solid relationship with the church because that's God's design. It's not man's design. And so for many of you, you've just made this commitment. Look, I am going to attend church regularly. And for many of you, you say, look, I'm going to be uh, tithing, giving to the church regularly. It doesn't matter if it's being you know, preached from the front or not. You're going to do it because that's your conviction of what God is requiring of you and so you do it and you do it cheerfully uh, but when it comes to your kids i mean honestly i am super encouraged uh, how many of you make such a committed and a really a great decision to bring your kids to children's ministry or to youth ministry on a regular basis and for those of you that get your kids here on a regular basis and you get your kids here on time because you know that your kids don't have that much uh, time, you know, learning the ways of the Lord, being instructed. So once a week, it's like not a lot of time. And of course, we're just trying to supplement what you're doing at home. But it is important. And there's this integrity where I see even you know, grandparents bringing their, their, their grandkids to church because some or other their kids are dropping the ball. And it's just so encouraging to see, okay, here are a whole bunch of folks, a whole bunch of you that are really committed to the Lord, committed to doing it right, uh, committed to trying to understand uh, the Lord and the Lord's ways and implement that and to live it a life of integrity that comes out of doing that. It's really, it's really encouraging. But if we look at the psalm a little more, uh, you know, we... We look at this whole um, home life, church life. How do we do this right? What is the what are the rules or and rules is a bad word, perhaps? But how do we do this with integrity? Because integrity before the Lord and before others uh, just just pays off. And again, it says, "I will lead a life of integrity." There's an intentionality behind it. It's not, you know, if I've got time if I feel like it. Now, I will live a life of intentionality. 
So the challenge of uh, the challenge is, what do you think you want to be intentional about? What areas of your life do you want to have integrity in? And it says, you know, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. So again, as we said recently in the past, you know, what you put into your mind, what you're focusing on, what you're absorbing, will impact the way, what you think about, and it'll impact your actions. And so uh, Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, it says it this way. Your eye, Luke, this is 11.34. Your eye is like a lamp that provides a light for, the bo- for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. So again, you know, it's basically elaborating on the Psalm 101, where it says, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. And the contrary of that, the opposite of that, would be to say, no, I'm going to commit to filling my mind with things that are good and wholesome and pure, coming to church and allowing my kids to come to church so that they too uh, you know, can experience the goodness and the love of God and kindness towards others. Because our integrity it will, will get tested. Uh, we do not, you know, we can all be great in our own minds, but there will be challenges and people will challenge you. And, you know, there'll be times where you really want something, but there's a problem, there's a blockage getting there. And you've got to make some hard decisions. So we do want to live our lives, uh, you know, with integrity and to, um, to do that well. Now, this psalm has a chronic, <laughs> what can we say, problem. Now, let me just put it that way. There's a chronic problem because the psalm is written by King David and we cheer what he's just been saying here in the Psalm 101. But we also know that David was unable to live this out. David ended up committing adultery with Bathsheba and he ended up committing murder, you know, by having Bathsheba's husband killed. I mean, it's just like absolutely terrible. But here's the, here's the strange thing. And in a bizarre way, um, really just elevates my opinion of the Bible from a book that was where you could potentially say, you know, critics would say, ah, it's just a book written by humans. It's not inspired. No, this exact example uh, is just extraordinary. No human, nobody trying to promote themselves, no president running for office uh, would expose voluntarily his own like major major problems you, you just it's just so counter everything that we would do but not God God knew and God put it in the scripture not to make everything look rosy and perfect and idealistic no God intentionally has left this and has made it part of the scripture because it's real. And in some strong way, there's the sense of we feel so uncomfortable with this. We read the psalm and 
We know it's Holy Scripture, but we also know that the person who wrote it didn't live up to what he was saying in the end, and yet it's part of Scripture. Friends, that's because it's pointing us to the New Testament. It's pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is the only human that's ever lived, that's lived a life with perfect integrity. And all of us have fallen short and will fall short. And so Scripture is always pointing to Jesus. And when we get that, then we realize, wait, this isn't uh, bad Scripture. It's actually inspired Scripture. It's the Word of God. And it gives us hope on both fronts. On the one hand, it's saying, this is what's right, and this is what's wrong, and this is what integrity looks like. And we can read a psalm like this, and we can agree with it and say, I will be careful to live a blameless life. But at the same time, we can say, but I can't do it alone. I can't. So if we look at the way this shapes up, there's two parts to this wonderful scripture. One part is our part of the bargain, and the other part is God's part of the bargain. Let me read this psalm again to you. Well, not read it all, but let me show you our part of the bargain. It's this um, clarifying what integrity looks like, and it's saying, I'm committed as strongly as I can in my own strength to follow through. Listen to this again. I will sing of your love, of your love. intentionality. I will do it. I will be careful to live a blameless life. I will live a life of integrity. I will refuse to look at anything vulgar. I will reject perverse ideas. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will search for faithful people. You know, I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house. I mean, I will, I will, I will. My part of the bargain. But the more important part of this bargain, once we've done that, is to say, okay, Jesus, I give it to you. Empower me by your Holy Spirit. Fill me so that I can make the right decisions. Uh, not only that, God, transform me so that I want to live a life of integrity because I want to live a life that's honoring to you. And I cannot do it without you. Friends, you think you can do it, but you cannot do it without you. David is such a great example. He did everything right up until this time with Bathsheba. And after that, it seems like he did everything right in, after he was caught out by you know, Prophet Nathan in repenting. But he paid the, the price of that. Uh, there were consequences to that. So the second part of the bargain here is that God, Jesus, will do the heavy lifting. You see, God has given us a bargain and an option that is really scandalous. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Jesus is saying, I lived a life which is absolutely perfect. I demonstrated it to you. And I'm willing to trade you. I'm going to trade you for all your blemishes, all your lack of integrity, all your mistakes. Jesus is saying, I'll take that freely. And in, in place of that, I'm going to give you my crown of perfection. I'm going to look at you as if you did absolutely nothing wrong. 
All you need to do is receive me, believe me, and follow me. And honestly, friends, we cannot get our heads around that bargain, around that offer. And yet that's exactly why Jesus died on the cross for us. Because he loves us and he wants to look at us as perfect people so that we can be with him in heaven and experience in the future a hope of a perfect life with perfect people. Let me just close. Lord Jesus, I just pray for every person listening here. Lord, that they would take you up on your promise, whether it be for the first time ever or for the hundred and first time. Lord, that we would receive you, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would empower us, Lord, that you would give us the desires internally to want to do the right thing, to want to live for you, to want to speak for you, to want to be the people, your children, that you would have us be. And Lord, we can only come humbly on our knees and say, Lord, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to do the things that you want me to do. Just join me. I just pray that you pray that prayer, friends, and experience the love, the peace, and the joy of the Father. Go in peace. See you soon.